All right, we're recording? Yes, sir. Welcome, everyone, to the Rink Rat Report podcast. Today, we're doing a playoff preview. They're finally here. Finally, everyone that's been saying, oh, just wait until the playoffs can shut the hell up because it's we here. are less than a week away, I believe. Yeah, uh, just about, probably, yeah, less than six days, probably. We haven't gotten the schedule yet. Who knows? Yeah, but, I yeah. think it's going to be Tuesday, though. That's what... I like that prediction. It's going to be. That's my bold prediction for the playoffs. <laughs> that they start on a Tuesday. They start on a Tuesday. Okay. Uh, we do have an interview with Frankie Corrado that we're going to get into in a bit. I do want to touch on the games that just happened this past week. We have the Florida game, which was very entertaining, uh, both from a broadcast and a playing perspective. Very entertaining. Uh, Washington and Detroit. Were those the three? Or am I missing one? Did, did Tampa play a game? Did that, that oh, we didn't cover it. Uh, maybe, oh, maybe we just pretend like that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, know, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. But anyways, we got some of those games that we're going to talk about there. Um, and then we're going to kick it to the interview. But uh, yeah, as always, joined by Jason. Yeah. You just heard from before. No Josh today. Um Let's get into it. The Tampa game, I mean, 8-1, some fights, a bonk. Is there anything else you really need to say from that game? Yeah, no, I think that's a great – I with even though we got smoked 8-1, I think that game was kind of a perfect game for the, the as the last game for the Leafs to play against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Give a little bit of drive. A rope a and little, dope? Yeah, a little, little <laughs> fire under the butt. I can almost guarantee you. Oh, actually, no, I don't want to say this, but I feel like that won't happen in the playoffs for sure now because of that. Not saying that it would have happened before, but that game right there almost guarantees that we're not going to see something like that out of them in the playoffs. At least I hope not. So that's a um, quite an interesting guarantee. It's a good <laughs> call. You Mark Messier, you <laughs> won't lose hate. <laughs> but yeah, I I think it was important for the group to to go through that because we kind of took it to them. They should like. Two games ago, we took it to them and showed, like, kind of took their lunch money, and then they came back and said, "You know what? We want our lunch money back." And they, not only did yeah. they take their lunch money back, but they also took ours. So, Bang. love it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's that game. Mm-hmm. The Panthers game I thought was really interesting, simply because it started off. I was listening like the first couple minutes. I was listening to it on the radio. Jim, uh, Jim Ralph, and Joe Bowen mm-hmm. had the call there, and they were like kind of struggling. They're like, "What's going on here?" We they 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 were like kind of uncertain they're like we're really sorry and i'm like what what's going on i don't i don't get it why why aren't they just calling the game kind of thing um and then i eventually got to a tv and it was the bally sports uh feed that was going on not the hockey night in canada one and i'm like oh this is what they're talking about they i guess there was an outage or something at Sportsnet or hockey night and just the feed did not work and then eventually they switched it back oh i didn't even realize that yeah that's what happened there and then okay. that's why i made the Those tiktok posts, yeah. video of uh does the panthers broadcast like the leafs more than the leafs than the hockey night than <laughs> one does uh, some people got a little bit upset about that guess what i don't care they were gushing over matthews and martin i love to yeah. hear that you never you, and uh, I w- I w- that's something I wish like uh, the Raptors have like the most their commentators are like amazingly like Homer pro Toronto and I really wish that like the the sports net crew or whoever calls yeah. the games for Craig Custis is great yeah. like no they're Custis good they're good Gord Miller are good they're just way too by the book yeah don't like, you know who the majority of people are that are watching your broadcast <laughs> it's a Leafs fans yeah. all right we're the center of the hockey universe we're the hockey mecca 
Exactly. Like, <laughs> gush over our players, and tell us we're great, and complain when the refs make calls against <laughs> us, whether they deserve it or not. Yes, that's exactly That's it. my big take about this game. I agree, and I fully I back that. Like yeah. I, I understand their journalistic duty to stay un, like to be unbiased and those impartial. Say, but they're impartial, but you know what? Screw it. Just screw it. Be homers. We want we want we want homers. Exactly. Uh, very back and forth game. Leafs mm-hmm. went up to two zero. Unfortunately, couldn't hold the lead there. Uh, lost the game in overtime. I think it was just so enter like Leafs Florida is such a wildly entertaining game because it's so back and forth. Bobrovsky, I thought, played awesome in this one, despite the Marner goal being a bit of a muffin there. Um, the whole goal, I mean, that was just off his own defenseman and in. But Bobrovsky made a few fantastic saves. My big thing, I think, with Florida, seeing them a couple times, I mean, the times that we've seen them now, I think it's been three times, right? Um, you need to four, finish. Yeah. yeah, you need to finish off of your your rush chances there, yeah. whether that be breakaway two-on-ones, everything. Because the Leafs had one. It was Nylander to Marner. Unfortunately, two right-handed players. I think the timing on Nylander's pass could have been slightly better. But they didn't finish on that one. There was one where uh, Tavares got robbed off a two-on-one. It was Mikheyev to Tavares. And then there was another one, Tavares to Mikheyev, where Bobrovsky made another good save. And then on top of that, the Leafs, I think on three or four other ones, just flubbed the two-on-one. Right? I think the Leafs did win the deserve to win a meter, which is all that matters in our eyes. <laughs> um, but like, if you if you finish on a few of those, if you even get a shot on net on a few of those, I feel like this is a different result that we're talking about here. But yeah. overall, I thought it was a pretty good game. Jack Campbell looked good in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just my big, my big big takeaway from from that one. Yeah, I think that was a good takeaway. Shocked that the over didn't hit in this one. That's my that was my the second yeah. biggest takeaway I think, but. Mm-hmm. We saw that a little bit. That was maybe the theme of the week. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. But <laughs> I think the Washington over would have hit. I mean, I'm not surprised that the over didn't hit in the Detroit game. A lot of people thought, like, here's the thing. There's so much gambling content out there now. A lot of it is obviously garbage because yeah. most of these people don't actually have money on the game. Um, all these people were thinking they were so smart. Oh, Leafs Detroit, take the over. Easy money right there. The last game was ten to seven or whatever. Was that the last game? I think it was, yeah. The game before that was six to four, six and a half. No worries. Guess what? You need two teams to be scoring in order to in order to easily hit a six and a half over. What are the Leafs going to beat them eight nothing? How many times have we seen the Leafs just crush a team eight nothing this year? They should have crushed them a lot more eight nothing, but they did not. Um, stop enough <laughs> sorry about that anyways Detroit in this game didn't have Dylan Larkin who's a major major piece to this team they didn't have Tyler Bertuzzi they didn't have Robbie Fabry and I saw Mark Stahl but who cares about that one like those are three major scores for the Detroit Red Wings mm-hmm. right and they're in a like you know it's the end of the year probably passion isn't too too high for some of these players yeah. as well so like the fact that the, the 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 over didn't hit in that game wasn't overly surprising to me. Mm-hmm. That was a sick pun. Good job, Joe. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's just my two cents on it. And yeah. honestly, with this all this gambling content, nobody shows their record. It's so, and especially uh, gambling experts that don't say what the line is. I think I've seen more people do it, but 
gambling experts that don't talk about the, the gambling line are just losers. It's, and it's literally just useless information it's because useless. Like we're picking winners. No, you're not. Yeah. Like, but yeah, that's picking your nose. That's kind of like a perfect little plug for Betstamp, who are our sponsors. Who you should go and download their app, give them follows on their socials because they call. First of all, they call people out like that. So if you're if you're trusting some people's advice, get go. Go to Betstamp, and if they're not verified on Betstamp, I personally would just wouldn't trust their own advice because yep. Betstamp helps with exactly what you just said. So a little Betstamp plug there with a little more clarity. But hell yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the Washington game. Washington game. This yeah. was a sleepy one, and uh, Frankie gave us a pretty good breakdown of like why it would be a sleepy one. Why yeah. you didn't have too many expectations going into that one, but. No Tavares, no... No Tavares, no, no Lilgren, no... Bun- exactly. No Tavares, no Lilgren, no Bunting. So that's a top six winger, your number two centerman, and then uh, a top six defenseman, we'll call him. He's, he's been, I think, a little bit more important. A top, calling him a top six is underselling it, obviously, mm-hmm. right? Um, just to quickly run through this one. Sleepy game. They were down 3-1. Ovechkin got knocked out of this game by Eric Schalgren. I don't think that was intentional at all. That was also not dirty. Anyone saying yeah. otherwise has never played net. Um, Washington, I felt like, was being cautious with him. And it was like, we're up 3-1. Guess what? It's the Leafs, baby. Nice little shootout win. Alex Kerfoot with the winner, 4-3. Um, I thought it was very sleepy on a lot of people's parts. Abritsezi on the first line was interesting to see. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, they They got the job done there. Yeah. Um, then the last game of the week, the Detroit Red Wings won number 60 for Austin Matthews. I mean, what else can you say about this yeah. guy? Cherish it. Best, Cherish it. best, like best leaps ever play, ever wear a Jersey. Maybe so. Yeah. A thousand, no debate about that in yeah. my lifetime, at least like yeah. 60 goals. It's absurd. Anyone trying to undersell that is just being a loser. Yeah. There's no Honestly. debate about it. And he, I think it's thirty. He's thirty nine. Five on five goals. Thirty eight. Five on like five that. goals. I mean, that's I second. On natural stats. Second most. I know. I just. It's hard to pull up those numbers. That's second most from the research I did before. Um, since I think two thousand seven. Uh, five on five goals. Stamkos had forty one in his. Wow. Sixty goal a year. Yeah. So. Wow. Um, yeah, but don't forget Austin Matthews played seventy three games, which is yeah nine less than Stamkos and all these other guys who, all these other guys and Ovechkin who scored sixty. Yeah, so he played less games than those scored sixty five that year. Yeah, so sixty and seventy three. That's absurd, disgusting. Yeah, that's he's. I think there was a stat on the broadcast for the Red Wings that like fastest player since nineteen ninety five to hit sixty goals. Second Mm -hmm. was Austin Matthews. So he actually did it faster than Yager in ninety five when Yager hit sixty. So that's pretty. That's pretty freaking cool. I can't remember who was on that graphic, but it was like one less game too. Yeah, it was Mario. It was Mario Lemieux. Yeah, it was Lemieux. I think one less game hit sixty. Then Yager, I don't know and how many games after that. Yeah. Uh, Ovechkin hit it in like game 76, 77, yeah. 78. And then Stammer hit it in 81, game 81. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. That's just absolutely sickening. Yeah. Uh, no other way to put it. Uh, he had some great chances early in this game. I was getting a little worried there, but then tucked that one. And then it was just like, okay, he's getting, he's getting the second one in this one. We're going to see number 60 in this sleepy Tuesday Tuesday game against the Red Wings, mm-hmm. but um, overall, just a very like nonchalantish kind of week. It's these games don't mean that much. The Leafs did lock up second last late last night. However, it was kind of trending, trending towards that way, them yeah. 
locking up anyways, which is huge, but it looked like they were going to do it anyhow. But yeah. uh, the points don't hurt. Yeah. And that that made me think of like our podcast last week where we talked about kind of we made some <sighs> predictions. And oh my gosh, did we go over I don't know how many yeah, talking about how simple it's going to be for Toronto to get home ice on Tampa. And we had a little scare halfway through the week talking about how Nick Robertson's probably not, not going to get called up. Nick Robertson got called up last game. Emergency recall. Yeah. But, um, Jake Muzzin, probably not like, I don't know why. So that's all. He looked so hurt. Probably not going to play in the first round. Even he played last night. Like <laughs> I, I can't remember an, an, another, I feel like there were more, but wow, so that, that was a brutal week for us last week. Anyway, it's not. (laughs) That's part of doing something once a week, talking about a a, a team in in sports. Oh, no, it was William Nylander probably not ending up with David Camp, probably going to be with Alex Kerfoot. (laughs) No. Uh, it's it lasted one game. Where yeah. I was like, watch out for these lines. If it sticks next game, like this is going to be massive. They're going to keep this together. It lasted maybe half a period. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> hey, whoops. Oh, well. It was, oh, well. We but, took a good crack at it. Yeah, we, we tried our best. That's all that matters. Uh, but, yeah, so we've recapped the four games. We're going to throw it to Frankie Corrado. But first, we want to say a little word from our friends at – Manscaped, if I can actually read. Uh, Attention all my college comrades. The summer sun is just around the corner, and you know what that means. The water gets warmer, the skin gets darker, and the hair gets pubier. Luckily, our friends at Manscaped are here to make that summer bod pop with their fourth-generation performance package, which includes their signature Lawnmower 4.0. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for Shave Boy Summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code RINKRAT. That is R-I-N-K-R-A-T. As the great Will Smith and DJ Jazzy Jeff said, it's like the summer's natural aphrodisiac. I love that. Quick little anecdote. Uh, Even if you're not in college, just like clean it up, you <laughs> idiots. Yeah. Um, yeah. Quick little anecdote. I played played around played my first round of golf on Saturday this weekend, and oh my gosh, I was we were so lucky. It was supposed to rain that day. Sun came out for us, but my God, was it ever windy! And my lips were so freaking chapped. I think I don't know if I got wind burnt or if I got sunburnt, but uh, I was. I've been like I, I'm not. I don't use chapstick quite often but i was actually using the chapstick and i think it i don't know if it helped but it, it felt like it helped my lips they feel normal less, less than a week later helped. so uh yeah if you uh, are experiencing windburn i'm not a doctor don't take my advice too seriously this isn't like a guarantee or anything but it worked for me maybe it'll work for you yeah. so if you have any windburn on your lips try a little bit of manscaped chapstick same thing uh, uh, guarantee non-guarantee the mm-hmm. shower stuff making you smell better no i think that's i think that's a guarantee I mean, like nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. Nine out of ten podcasters would recommend. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the one? <laughs> We're gonna find them. But anyways, let's throw it over to our discussion. I don't. It wasn't really an interview. It was a discussion. Discussion. With, yeah. A playoff discussion with Frankie Corrado. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, give it a listen. Welcome everyone to the Rink Rat Report podcast. Pleased to be joined today by former Toronto Maple Leaf, current. TSN hockey analyst Frankie Corrado. Frankie, thanks so much for joining the podcast today. No worries. What's going on? Not much. This is uh, an interesting time. Um, the best way to describe this time right now is the uh, Grand Theft Auto meme, the uh, ah, shit, here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> 
because <laughs> it's playoff time in Leafland again, and uh, you know, doesn't bring up the most joyous recent memories. But uh, I think we got something special here, and uh, we're gonna. Yeah, I, I think I think this year it feels like it's a little bit of a calm before the storm, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and especially for me, like this is the first year I've been covering the team doing the games on 1050. And so the fact that I'm in it every day now, I get to see it from that aspect is, you know, I saw it from a player's point of view. I've seen it as an outsider, I guess, if you want to say a spectator's point of view, but now I get to see it from the media's point of view. And I see how you cover everything day to day and you need narratives, you need things to talk about. And we sort of pick these things like what's the defense going to look like, Um, the injury situation right now, the goaltending was a hot button one, but it's going to ramp up here on Tuesday night. Like when, when Tampa and Toronto hit the ice, it's going to be highly critical kind of speaking points. Like everything's going to get super analyzed every night. And this is like, this is it. This is for all the people that said the regular season doesn't matter. Just wait till I get to the playoffs. Well, guess what? Your team did everything they possibly could right this season. They got themselves home ice, second in the Atlantic. If I told you last year, with, after the playoffs, with how that ended, that your team was going to have the record they had, have the metrics that they have, and have the season that they had, I don't think that was such a formality at that point, right? So they've, they've, they've done all these things. They've checked all these boxes. And now they're set to play the defending Stanley Cup champs in a series where myself and a lot of other people think they have a very good chance at winning. Ooh, I like that little ending part, a little leading to it. Um, but yeah, like Tampa Bay, obviously everyone knows the history of them, the past two playoffs. Um, I, I liked your point about it wasn't just a format. Oh, they're going to get home ice at the end. I mean, if you remember, I think it was mid October when they were on that streak. I don't think, I think some people were saying they weren't going to make the playoffs. So, yeah. but uh, to see them here in this position, home ice hole, can't it can't help but feel a little bit jacked up for it. Yeah, right? yeah, and and as you should, like if if you didn't enjoy this season and you just said I'm not paying attention into the playoffs, you missed a lot of pretty cool stuff, man. Like I don't know, did you enjoy Austin Matthews scoring 60 goals? Did you enjoy him breaking Rick Vive's record? Did you enjoy? William Nylander setting a career high for goals and assists and Jack Campbell, like his play. Um, and just in general, the team, like there, there, that was in November to remember. I know that's a, you know, a little bit of a cliche saying, but that was the, the team played some of its best hockey. And that really laid the foundation for the season that was to come because there was turmoil that found them at one point during the season, they were playing a fifth string goaltender and, you know, like, like, if they didn't, if they hadn't laid that foundation in, in November with all those wins, all that great hockey, what would have happened when the chips were really down? And so, you know, you're, you're going to see a team that, as opposed to last season where it was the North Division and it was all the Canadian teams. And if you look at the standings this year, look how all the Canadian teams did. How many are we going to have in the playoffs? Is it three or four? Three, three, yeah. Three teams, right? And then the other teams are basically near the bottom of the standings. And so, you know, it, it, it shows the Leafs, I guess, mental fortitude to say that, okay, we're not in the North Division anymore. We're playing against Tampa, Florida, Pittsburgh, New York, Washington, Boston. We're playing all these teams again. And guess what? 
we're still right up there with the cream of the crop. That didn't mean anything. And so they, they had every reason, every excuse in the book to just say, it's not going to be our year. It's not going to be our month. You know, we're, we're just, we don't have it. And time and time again this year, they've cleared the hurdles and they've showed that they are ready to play uh, when, you know, when the going gets tough, which maybe in years past, we would have said, it's just not going to happen. There's just, a, there's a roadblock, whether it's a physical or a mental roadblock, they're just not going to get over it. But this year, there's been many times where they've gotten over the roadblock. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's a great point. I like what you said there, especially like that, that seemed to be like a very common narrative last year from the entire hockey world is okay. Yeah. The Leafs are doing well in the North division, but what about when they play Tampa? What about when they play Boston? What about when they play? And and how about this one? Like, and you can go back to the Babcock years, even Mm -hmm. early on in Sheldon Keefe's era as the head coach, how many games did you sit there and watch? And you're like, you see one thing happen and it spirals out of control. And you're just like, here we, and it's like you said, with the Grand Theft Auto, it's here we go again, right? Like that one deflator goal goes in and next thing you know, you're, you're, it's, it's three, one, it's four, one, the game's out of control. And you're just like, well, that just, it didn't happen. Right. And, you know, we saw some comebacks and, and, and I was telling, I was telling Carlo Korleakovo this morning on, on TSN 1050, there was a game they played at home against Buffalo. They lost five, two. That game at one point was three to one. And I remember saying, working the game, saying to my partner, Jim Taddy, why can't, like, why can't they just turn it on? They're the better team. They have the better players. At some point, when it's 3-1, when there's 10 minutes left in the third, can they just turn it on and say, okay, so we haven't played 50 minutes. Let's just, let's put it together. We'll, we'll have a little comeback the way Florida does, right? And, and, and we'll kind of just assert ourselves. And that's the beauty thing about having a team like the Leafs. It's like, you can get away with playing pretty poor hockey for 45, 50 minutes. As long as the game's pretty close, you're going to let Matthews and Marner take over and they can break the game open for you. Right. So it didn't happen that night, but then I'm watching the game last Sunday against Washington and you had just got romped by Tampa. You got smoked. You had a Florida game that was very spirited, uh, goes into overtime and you have hard travel, like, like a game like that in Florida where you play in Florida and then you have to get to Washington. You're talking about, 30 minutes after the game to the airport, whatever you got to do at the gate, load, load up the plane. That's another hour fly to Washington, not exactly the closest flight. And then the Washington airport to the arena is about another hour. So you're not getting to bed till like three o'clock. And that's if you, if you've come down from everything and you can get yourself to sleep, right? Like how many nights have you guys had in life where you're just wound up and you can't get to sleep. Right. So you're talking about that. And now you got to play Ovechkin and the caps and it's a good team. It's a team in the playoffs. And so the game starts and passes aren't going well. You're not executing properly, but the game's close. It's within reach and it's late in the game. You get the late game heroics and you're like, Hey, wait a second. We're actually in this game and we can win it. Like we, we haven't had the game we wanted, but guess what? We're still in it. We can win it. And they end up doing that. And I thought that was just, that was such an encouraging sign because at that point, you could go into the Rolodex of excuses because there's so many at that point and just pick one and no one will bat an eye. They'll just be like, we'll come on the radio the next day and we'll talk about the travel or, you know, how the schedule's heated up and guys are tired or fatigued and banged up. They rested, they rested Tavares that game too. And, and they were, Exactly. And they rested Tavares, right? And so they chose not to do that. They chose to, to decide like we can win the game. 
And I just think that's a great, like, if I'm, if I'm the coach, if I'm Sheldon Keefe, anytime we're going through any kind of adversity in this playoffs, I'm just going to point to that game and say like, Hey, you guys know how to do it. You guys did it. Like there's a sense of pride. There's a sense of ownership and, and, and you've, you've cleared that hurdle before let's do it again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, 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 what you said right there, that stretch of games, that made me think of kind of like going to try and segue here, but that made me think of uh, a game against Tampa earlier in the year when they were kind of down one, nothing. And it feels like they were playing the entire game behind and they kind of kicked it on in the third period with the the last 10 minutes ended up uh, scoring a goal, going to overtime and winning the game. Um, And you know what happens, right? Like you can be down one, nothing in a game. You can be down three, nothing in a game, but as long as shift over shift period over period, you stay with your philosophies, you stay within your structure and you have the mindset that I don't need to, this game doesn't need to be won at nine minutes left in the second period. Ultimately it's a 60 minute game for a reason. You need to use up all 60 minutes. And so I feel like that that's something that, the Leafs have maybe struggled with in the past. It's just having a little bit of patience within the game, right? Because how many times do you want to see the Leafs come out, get two, three goals in the first period, and then just, hey, pack it in, game's over, shut it down. Yeah, that's great, but that's not the reality. This is the NHL. It's the best players in the world. You're going to be down goals, but you're going to be down goals in games that are still winnable. And it's up to you to use the whole 60 minutes and stay engaged mentally and physically and say, okay, we have a chance to win this game late because we're going to wear them down. We haven't scored yet, but it's only a matter of time. So if we keep chipping bodies, keep getting pucks in deep, keep, keep playing low, you know, below their goal line, funneling pucks to the net, it's just a matter of time until we break through. And guess what? If you don't, if you don't break through at that point, you can go into that locker room at the end of the game and say, you know what? We just got beat. We played well, but we just got beat. And you're not going to go 82-0, and 0, and you can live with a loss like that. The losses you can't live with are the ones against Buffalo or Montreal where you spoon-feed the other team, where you just play into their transition. You make these big mistakes that are, you know, catastrophe mistakes that you're, you're looking around, you're like, that's not me. Like, I'm not that kind of player. Why did I do that, right? But that's, that's the rigors, the mental rigors of, of a season and what happens to you. And so, you know, the, the fact that they're able to show progress in the sense that, like you talked about, that Tampa game, right? It's a one nothing game. They've, down, they've been down the whole night. But there's, there's, there's something in the back of their heads that's saying, we probably wore this team down a little bit. And when we get into this last two, three minutes, it could pay off if we just stay with it, stay with the program. And that's what they did that night as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I uh, wanted to transition. Let's get into your expectations for game one. We know the last two games against Tampa Bay, it was a 6-2 romping by the Leafs, and then the Leafs got romped 8-1. Um, what are your expect- expectations going into game one? What's it going to look like? I think I think it's going to be pretty spirited, and I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of goals, and that's nothing against the goalies. Like Vasilevsky is one of the best goalies in the league. I think Jack Campbell has done a really good job, especially coming back since coming back from injury, but – that's kind of like the first game of the playoffs. It's like it's like guns a blazing bat out of hell hockey. You don't know. There's no real feeling out process, and it's rare if there is. It, it's like you know, I, I talked about over a sixty minute game how you want to win uh, the game within the first five ten minutes. Well, it almost feels like that in game one of the playoffs. You think you're going to win the Stanley Cup essentially, you know, if you really set the tone early in, in the first round. But it is important. And, and I think it's obviously going to be spirited. It's going to be physical. 
And I, I think this year compared to Leafs pa years past, I think the Leafs have the bodies to keep up with the physical play. Um, you know, and, and I look back at the years where they lost to Boston and, you know, you obviously you have Matthews, right. But you have Marner, Nylander, Kapanen, Janssen, all great players, right. But there's not a lot of variety as far as the body, the builds of these guys. And there's something to be said for guys that can skate really well, are long, have some length, um, have some, you know, there, there's some thicker bodies because when there's pucks that are, let's say contested or up for grabs, if you just have a little extra leverage, you have a little extra length, those are the small kind of momentum swayers in a game. It's like they have a little more of a makeup where they can get to those contests, protect them a little more second and third efforts. Like guys like Mikheyev, Camp, Engvall, you know, you even go look at the first line in that regard, because when that line is playing their best, it's like they're playing keep away most nights, you know, everything's in the offense it's on the tape they don't need to use the boards too much they're in the middle of the ice they're very dangerous they're always looking for each other so um you know it, it's going to be a battle of the star players it's going to be a battle of the depth players obviously and it's going to be a battle i don't want to say the blue lines but a defensive battle within the goalies right like you got vasilevsky that guy can steal a game like there's no doubt about it and Jack Campbell, not to say that Jack Campbell has to beat Vasilevsky one-on-one, -on -one, but he's going to need to elevate his game. And, and it's not a, a level that he hasn't found before, but he's going to need to find that level of game where he's keeping up with Vasilevsky. If Vasilevsky's making a big save at his end, Jack Campbell, he's going to have to come up with a timely save at his end as well. That's just the reality. Mm -hmm. And I agree with that last with Jack Campbell. He, I mean, we've seen him find that level. At one point in the year, his save percentage was 940, right? Like when going on a run, you need your goaltender to be solid. I think Shane Corson said that today on Leafs Lunch, right? And like it was very, very – I know his save percentage right now isn't in the 920s, but to see it eventually at one point, he got so hot it was at 940. I mean, kind of gives you a very, very solid glimmer of hope that – he can go on that run. And, and you know what else too? So like I, I played in the AHL. I went to the AHL uh, finals, and it's the Calder Cup. And we lost to LA's farm team. It was Manchester. And every single night, our players, our best players were our best players. They led the way for us. You have guys chip in. Like you have your unsung hero who chips in every once in a while. And with Manchester, the team we lost to in the finals, their best players were their best players. They carried the load. And they had the unsung guys every once in a while. You're like, how did that guy score? But it, that's just the way it is. And so it's, it's very evident that when the Stanley Cup playoffs get going, you're only going to go as far as your best players can take you. Case in point, last season with the Leafs, right? For whatever reason, Matthews, Marner, these guys, they were snake bitten. They couldn't get on the board. And you lose in seven games to Montreal in, quite frankly, a series that was theirs for the taking. Like, it was theirs. And this year it's going to be the same way. The thing this year that's different is you didn't play in the Canadian division. Number one, number two, Matthews and Marner have taken their game to another level this season. And then the other thing that's different is you have fans in the building. Like I was in the building last night for Matthews scoring his 60th goal. That was electric. And you could see like the emotion and the pride dripping off his face you know, and it, there's just something to be said for that, that, that you can't create when there's no fans in the building. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that's going to play a big role in it. 
hockey players are emotional beings. You know, we feed off fan energy we feed off the bench, the energy there, the coaches, all these kinds of things. And so, you know, as much as it's a cop-out or a cheap excuse, and it was an even playing field with Montreal, of course, it is, that's the reality of it, man. Like there's, there's going to be nothing cooler for Matthews and Marner to play, uh, you know, this playoff series in front of their home fans in Toronto, who are going to be hopefully nice and rowdy for them. I agree. I agree. And I mean, like referencing back to your, your point about the crowd being there, uh, it was game five when the Leafs came back. Do you remember they came back from, I think it was three, nothing or three, one, like they're on home ice. Could you picture if they had fans in the building, just how infectious that energy would be? And like, I don't know if that game's going to overtime. I mean, no, I'm sounding like a Homer. I am a Homer. I don't care <laughs> that, but like, I don't know if that game's going to overtime. If there's fans in the building, you come back from three Oh, like that. Right. So it was a very. Yeah, one thing you said that I really liked was uh, just talking about your personal experiences playing against uh, Manchester in the AHL Cup. Um, and I, I, I'm just wondering uh, who you think, like uh, someone on the Leafs or even someone on Tampa, who is going to be those players as to be the X factors? We know the big guns like Kucherov, we know Matthews. Those guys are probably going to get their points. But who is your... Uh, I forget the word that you use, but I guess X factor. So here's the way it works, right? Like the Kucherov point, Stamkos... Um, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, it's going to be up. Those are the guys it's though them versus them. Yeah. Who's going to, who's going to get the most goals. Who's going to lead the way that's, who's going to have the most success. As far as chipping in, when you look at the Leafs, the guy who's really come to life recently, who, who I think can be an X factor is Mikheyev. Mm-hmm. I think he's taken his game to another level. And that has to do with the fact that he's healthy. Right. Like more than anything, when you saw him come into the league, his first go around, you said there's potential here for this guy to be a very good player. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, he goes through the dry spell where he just couldn't score, but you could see that the tools were there. And then this summer coming into the season, there's more talk about maybe he wants a change of scenery, elevated role. He's not going to get the role here. And Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas and the, and, and the staff is saying, listen, we very much value you in the role you're in. Like the role you're in is vital, but we need you to be in that role for us. And then as time goes on, let's see how things shake out. We can maybe find something more for you. And my understanding is he still wanted that elevated role as the season went, went on. And now he earned it. He really did. He's playing on the second line with Taveras and Kerfoot most nights. And if anything, he's leading the way on that line. And the fact that he's able to bury the puck now is great. He's got way more poise when he's shooting the puck. I think before, you know, we would see him get in all alone on these chances and just fire a shot just because, right? But now he's shooting with conviction. It's like he takes a half, 
it's like if you play a video game, you play Call of Duty, right? Like you take that half a second to really look at the target, you know, and, and you just fire it and you, it's perfect. It's like, that's what he's doing with his shot now. And, and the other thing, it's, it's the ease with which he gets around defenders. Like defenders in the NHL can all skate now. Like, I, like you watch the NHL, there, there's the, the big lugs, the tree stump guys who can't move anymore. They've been eliminated from the league. And so the fact that he's playing in this era, the modern day defenseman era, and he's absolutely roasting defenders every single night just speaks to how fast this guy is, how explosive he is. And the, 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 the area where I think he's made a lot of gains as well is he was always an individual effort guy. It was I'm a, a one and done player, individual effort, and it's, it's a lot of flash. But now he's working off his line mates more. Like he's working off the cycle more. He's getting to the inside ice more, just even slowing himself down a little bit while he's in zone. And so that's allowed him to get a little more traction offensively, something he hasn't been able to do before. And you create some second and third chances. And then for Tampa, I kind of look at a guy like Nick Paul as the guy who could be the unsung hero. You know, he, he was, I guess, in contract negotiations with Ottawa, thought he could get a little more money on the open market next year. And, you know, he could have taken, I think it was 3 million to stay in Ottawa. And he kind of said like, I think I'm worth more and I'm going to go show it in Tampa Bay. And, you know, as, as I've been watching Tampa Bay play, like he's really proving his worth to them as you know, the season has gone on heading into the playoffs. He scored a nice between the legs goal the other night. Um, And so he's a guy who I think could be a little bit of an X factor for Tampa Bay's big body, good hands, very smart player. So and those guys are, are somewhat similar. Obviously, Mikheyev has the speed. Paul's not as fast, but they're big, lengthy guys who serve a purpose and do it well. Yeah, good at winning puck battles we saw on, uh, I think it was Sport Logic. We looked that up, and He's a former teammate of yours, right, on Belleville? I actually missed him. I missed him by a year. Um, wow. I actually think the, the year that I got to Belleville, because I got there late, um, <laughs> he, had, he had played a few games and had got uh-huh. called up to Ottawa and never came back. Um, I wanted to get into this the one guy that's got probably the biggest target on his back going into these playoffs, Mitch Marner. Um, your expectations of him going into these playoffs, and uh, yeah, like let's talk about him a little bit. Sure. Like, okay, so you're a smaller player, you're a highly skilled player, you skate well, you pass, and you've developed a shot now that's pretty lethal. Like, got you 35 goals this season, and so the challenge for Marner now is going to be over a seven game series can you still create space for yourself? Because, you know, you play one game against Washington, you leave, you go play Florida, you leave, you go play Tampa, you leave, but there's something different. <coughs> Excuse me. There's something different about a seven game series, you know, night after night against the same team. And when you do these pre-scout meetings, right? Like getting ready for your opponent, it's like, there's going to be someone in that meeting in Tampa Bay who's saying, your job is just be all over Marner. Like you're, you're every time you see Marner, he's, you got to be draped around him, whether it's a stick, a glove, a cross check, a shove, whatever it may be, you're there. And so everything's going to be targeted in on Marner and Matthews. And I think with Matthews, there's really not much you're going to do about it. You're sort of at his mercy. Like if he misses the net, like, Hey, that's great. You defended it pretty well. Um, you know, yeah. Like say, say a prayer and hope he just gets cold if you're Tampa, because 
like just with the way he moves and the, the size he has and his shot, just there, there's not much you're going to, you're going to do about it. Um, with Marner, it is a little different. He'll get a lot of attention. And the, the thing I'll say about that, Mitch Marner's used to that. He grew up playing hockey and he was always the undersized, really skilled player. And so what do you think has happened to him at every single level he's played at, whether it was minor hockey, junior hockey, or NHL, when playoffs come around, everyone tries to key in on him. It's no secret. It's like the, one of the first thing you learn when you're nine, 10 years old playing triple a hockey, you key in on the best players. And so he's constantly been avoiding that creating space for himself, buying time and space, making good plays. And so yeah, it's only a matter of time until he breaks through in the playoffs at the NHL level. And so, you know, when you look at the the years past and, you know, the Leafs not being able to get out of the first round, maybe you look at it and say, okay, he's how much more, I don't want to say failure, does the team need to have in the first round, but that's essentially what it is until you break through and say, okay, I've done it at every level. I know for certain that I can get this done now at the NHL level. And, you know, with the season he's had playing with Matthews, you know, 97 points on the season, 35 goals. Maybe this is the year where the playoffs come around and you can't stop Matthews and Marner anymore. Mm -hmm. It's the year. Why not us? But I like what you said, like growing up, he's always been the guy that you focus on. Uh, when one of my buddies was playing for new market, uh, Marner got called up to the buzzers there. And I was like, Hey, this, this Mitch Marner guy scored a couple goals on you. And he actually scored in the game seven finals to win the OJHL championship. And his, his comeback to me, he's like, nobody wants to hit him. He's so small. I don't get it. And it's like, well, no one wants to hit him. It's just like, you can't like these guys, these guys, you have to be, you have to be a special, I don't want to say a special player. You have to be a very good player to make it to the NHL. You need some luck along the way. These guys who make it to are the undersized guys. They have to be special, special players because it's hard for a six foot, six foot one guy, but these guys that are sub six feet kind of on the skinnier side, there just needs to be something there something special for these guys to, to make it. And he has that. Mm -hmm. I agree. And my last point kind of on Marner um, last year, I still think he did a great job of creating space for his teammates with the puck. I just don't think the finish was quite there. And I like Michael Bunting knock on what that he's back in for game one. I like his finish a little bit more than Zach Hyman, not to slay Zach Hyman at all. It's just a different element on that line, right? Zach, element, Zach Hyman is straight up and down. It's drop your shoulder, drive to the net. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it was a great compliment to that line. And he's a, he's a hell of a player, but Michael Bunting probably brings a little more creativity with that line. There's a little more, I don't want to say shit disturber, but he has a little bit of that element, you know, you, you, you have with that line and, and there's, he's, you know, he's got the speed that, that Hyman has. So yeah, it's a little bit of a different element. It probably just has a little more creativity. And so, you know, when, when you're Marner and Matthews and you're looking to play off the puck, it's not, it's not that the puck dies, dies later, later in the shift. It's like, these guys are keeping the puck alive time after time, you know, it's tape to tape, it's smooth, it's in the middle ice. And so, you know, they're the hopefully bunting is, is back and able to play soon. But, you know, that that's a line that if the Leafs are going to have any success, that line needs to lead the way. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. And we watched that line all year, like kind of just dominate. Like they just it's almost impossible to break out against them. It's crazy. And against other other teams, top lines as well. Um, but we don't want to keep you for too long. So we just have like three more kind of quick questions to throw your way. 
Uh, you can answer them uh, kind of rapid fire if you want. But the first one is you kind of answered a little earlier. Earlier, what do you think the series outcome is? Give me a team and in how many games? Leafs in six. I love it. We we're here for that. And then another one. Don't mean to catch you off guard with this one, but like, do you have a bold prediction for the series or anything you think that many people aren't thinking of that could happen that you think has a chance of happening? Any any bold prediction of any kind or? I don't know. These are the tough ones. Yeah, right. It just just whatever comes to mind it doesn't have to be. Um, how about this one? Kucherov goes cold. I love that. Ooh, I'm here for that. I'm here for that. Cool. And then last question. Um, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. Just do you have an, any? I know you, I know you played for Sheldon Keith for a couple of years at the Marley. Do you have any interesting anecdotes, funny stories, or anything that's just interesting about him that you can share with us? Or uh, yeah, I'll tell you one thing about Sheldon Keith. Everything he does has a purpose. Like you, you could talk about some coaches who they play head games or, you know, you just, you walk in, like as a player, sometimes you walk out of a meeting, you're like, what the hell is this guy talking about? Right. <laughs> and with Sheldon Keefe, never, not one meeting. Did you ever leave walking out of that meeting saying that everything is direct with a purpose. There's a plan of action. And so as a player, you feel comfortable with that you feel like you're on board for what he's preaching it brings credibility to the coaching staff so i think he does a really good job with that and communicating with his players awesome that's an awesome answer i love that awesome yeah, yeah. thanks so much frankie for coming on this is a great discussion all right guys have a good one all right we want to thank frankie Corrado for sitting down with us that was an awesome interview i really yeah. especially love that sheldon keith anecdote at the end i I thought that was a, a great way to send off the the discussion there yeah absolutely especially since we've been I don't want to say, yeah, we've been a, l- a little critical of the blender and like may- maybe it, it lineup decisions too. Yeah, exactly. And uh, gives me a little bit of pause, I, I think is the right way to put it. Uh, or yeah. Just makes makes me feel a little comforting knowing someone on the inside who's been with him, been around him. Knocks us down a peg. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> like he, he knows what he's talking about. He's experienced like being with Sheldon Keefe. And I'm sure he's like Frankie Crowder didn't tell us this, but I'm sure he's had his fair share of like poor coaches who have just tried to mess with him and things like that. And it's nice to hear that he believes that Sheldon Keefe has a plan for everything. So that's, mm-hmm. it's kind of what you hope, right? So I like that. I appreciate that from him, but yeah, that was an awesome interview. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. So I agree. I agree. Uh, wanted to get a little bit deeper, you know, into our uh, playoff preview with the Leafs here. Uh, there were some other points that, uh, you know, let's get, let's get into our, our, our our own discussion here kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Kind of I bouncing th- off what he said. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That getting a, a little bit deeper here. Um, I wanted to take a look at the Tampa Bay lightning. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen their top four D it's probably going to be uh, Victor Hedman, a combination of the sort of Victor Hedman, Mikhail Sagachev, uh, Eric Cernak, Ryan McDonough, and then Jan Ruta is going to be in there as well. Um, and the last defenseman, that they're going to dress. It's going to be yeah, Bogosian, uh, Foot, Calfoot. Calfoot's been playing some something top along, four, along something along those. Line. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, so it looks like how they how they've kind of been running it all year. We looked into the numbers, uh, the, the ice time, not during the podcast. We did it before. I, we promise you this time. Uh, he, uh, it seems like Hedman's been playing this year a lot with Jan Ruta. Um, unsure if that's a trend that's only kind of happened at the beginning of the year, but it seems like according to Dover prospects who has like a great line tool by quarter, it seems like Hedman and Ruta were kind of like the guys yeah. on their top pair. And then it was like a McDonough Cernak kind of thing. And then Sergachev on the third line with Bogosian or foot. And I think that's a good idea to think about how they're probably going to set up their, 
uh, lines and like had been on the first line with uh, miscellaneous defensemen, kind of McDonough, Cernak as a shutdown, mm-hmm. and then Sergachev on the third with another yeah. whoever you want to put in there, Bogosian foot, uh, even even Ruta. But yeah, that's probably the. the yeah, we talked about it at nausea last year in the playoffs, mm-hmm. just how McDonough, Sir, uh, Sir, McDonough, Eric Cernak were their shutdown defensemen in games where they won. They had the highest time on ice yeah. over Victor Hedman. Now, Victor Hedman was injured in last year's playoffs and during the season. It was noticeable. He's looked a lot better this year. So I wonder if they're going to maybe just mix him in a little bit more as opposed to how, you know, how polarizing it was to say, like, McDonough is your number one shutdown guy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So they're going to probably have a, a rotation of four guys that they Seriously. Can yeah. really use as, in, in a shutdown role. And so. and when the game gets tight for them, I don't doubt that they're probably just going to go to Sergachev and Hedman and then like those, like, Sir, uh, excuse me, Cernak and McDonough, like those, that as a four rolling when things are tough, like that's not an easy decor to get past. That's not easy at all. Mm-hmm. Like that is a lot of size all guys with size, game. like, like, not 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 big slow guys. It's guys with they they have speed. They have foot yeah. speed, and they're willing to do what, like literally whatever it takes. As you've seen the last two years to yeah. win. So yeah, especially Eric Cernak is such an animal. On he is up. Defense. He is. A That's ha- one guy like Hedman. You know because he puts up points. Sergachev mm-hmm. we've seen put up points. Like McDonough, I think is like a good blend kind of thing. But in terms of Cernak on defense, he, like kill, he, he kills cycles. He just yeah. destroys it. Kills and it's cycles, like, kills entries as well. Yeah. I, it's crazy because he is like, well, f- like the way we talk about hockey and forwards in particular, we always talk about like a puck getter, like a puck retriever, right? Mm-hmm. Zach Hyman, what was going to the corner get? Like Cernak uh, is almost the, not exact opposite, but he's the, the defense version of a puck retriever. He will go in the corners and always, almost always win those puck battles. And yeah. he's a, he is like, I think one of the best at the league according to sport logic at winning those puck battles in his own zone. So he's like, yeah, he's like a, a low cycle killer. So it's going to be a puck hound basically. Yeah. So it'll be tough. Like for your, uh, Pierre Engvalls and your mm-hmm. alien McKayevs. They're not going to have as much space as they're used to mm-hmm. using their big body on guys, right? They're going to have to be a little more creative finding space down yeah. there. So, uh, it'll be an interesting matchup to see our, our forwards, especially with our length, because mm-hmm. uh, we're. I feel like we're not used to having that much length. We have on. Some long boys. Yeah, Corrado touched on that a bit, but yeah, like we have. A, I, I, I'm interesting to see how they match up against Tampa's also long boys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, in terms of the least defense, what do you kind of think that 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 looks like in the playoffs there? Like for lines? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I don't know. I think Riley Labushkin they're going to stick with. I think that's a good idea. And, like, I think I, – I don't know because it's like – I'm Mont- losing confidence in Labushkin, unfortunately, yeah, by the game. Yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's not too egregious of a thing to say. But we have to remind ourselves that it's his numbers haven't been the best. Justin Hall does have, like, really nice underlying numbers. You always like to put those two in comparison, yeah. like, beside each other. But he does, he's starting to have some of those gaffes, and he – one yeah. of the things coming in is he did did have a pretty poor pen, penalty differential when in Arizona. That's one of his the cruxes of his I'm game. Not even kind talking of. About, I'm talking about like defensive blown Just coverages and blunders. giveaways and blunders. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, Florida, I, I thought he looked nice. He made mm-hmm. a couple. He made some great passes. Uh, like up, I remember there was one that started a, a good rush to Tavares. There was a few other great passes in there as well. But then the Washington game just comes back and it's another stinker of a game kind of thing yeah i don't i don't know it's it's i think labushkin hall whoever's gonna play i think it 
a lot of it's going to be on Muzzin, as silly as it sounds. I know that sounds kind of weird, but I think in my head, if Muzzin's playing, you kind of got to do the math on it. Like, I think they like Lilligren's game now. I think, I know we talked about he probably is not going to see playoff time, but I think he might be in game one. I, I might be. I think he's earned it. I might be very wrong, and I think it makes the most sense to have him with Giordano in Game One, mm-hmm. right? So that kind of takes away your your bottom pair role right there. So now you're just thinking about the top four. And if Muzzin's playing, would you rather have Muzzin, Hall, Riley, no. Brody, two guy, two pairings that we've seen before and we're comfortable with, right? We have to remember Sheldon. Like we we've seen this before. We're comfortable with it. We've seen it in the playoffs multiple times, multiple years in a row now. Um, two seasons under our belt with seeing those pairings, kind of. Or would you rather would you rather see Muzzin, Brody, Riley, Labushkin? Riley Personally, Labushkin. I'd rather see that. Yeah. Right? But if Labushkin's yeah. starting to not look good, Labushkin's gonna come out and Hall's Hall's not gonna go with Riley, right? Hall's no, probably gonna be with I can Muzzin and, and Brody. Or, yeah. or sorry, Muzzin and Riley will be with Brody. So like that's kinda I think that's like the deciding factor in all mm-hmm. of this. But Yeah. I mean it'll be tough. I don't think we're gonna see Sandine. Uh they said he's yeah. not available Friday, so then it's like how do you how do you kind of work them into this playoff lineup? Like I don't know. I could be very wrong, and I'd I'd be glad if I was wrong because he's a very good offensive defenseman. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. What happens there? Right. I I envision. I don't think he's going to play. Be playing the left side. It would be the right side. Sanded. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. Right yeah. side with possibly Giordano or something like that. Yeah. Right, third pairing. Yeah. Move the puck, but. I wonder. We'll I wonder if we see Giordano jump up in, into the top four at all. Whether it just be for even like a couple periods to, excuse me, hold hold a lead. Because I I know, uh, in the penalty kill to end that, which game was it? I, I forget. Might have been in the. Oh my gosh! Excuse me. Florida uh, game. The Florida game. Yeah, I I know that in the on the penalty kill. I think the first line that they threw out late in the game was Riley and, or, or, sorry. Brody and Giordano. Brody and Giordano. Yeah, yeah, Sorry, I'm, I'm a little jumbled. A I'm a little jumbled right now. But yeah, you, you you got you got what I was going for there. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see. I think it, I think it's pretty well set what it's going to be in terms of the six D, and I think it's going to be what we saw last game against Detroit. Um, the Boston game almost doesn't matter mm-hmm. uh, because they are going to be resting players that yeah. aren't pursuing 100 points yeah probably part of the reason why they're <laughs> or also a thousand points yeah she's yeah it's gonna be tough frick but five away from a thousand like what happens next year to him like i don't know that's jason spets i'm yeah. referring to obviously and then washington stole a goal from him too like yeah i mean what a bunch of peasants i don't know if it was washington i think it was more nick everett's is he but mm, that was a good pass yeah we will give him credit there that was True. a very good pass um let's get into some forward talk yeah yeah let's do oh that. yeah uh, Tampa base forwards. I mean, what else is there to really say about them? Um, something, if you don't pay attention to Tampa Bay, uh, they added two players at the deadline, uh, Nick Paul, who they traded Matthew Joseph and a fourth round pick for from, uh, Paul, Paul, Nick Paul came from Ottawa. As we said in our interview with Frankie Corrado, he's a good, he wins puck battles very well. He's a big, heavy, big, heavy guy. He was being, playing center for some reason in Ottawa. I think he's bet more equipped to play on the wing there he's going to be playing on a line with Braden Point and Ross Colton I think this line's had some pretty good success since being put together since Paul joined the lightning there mm-hmm. um, one thing I do want to point out is people have been throwing around the charts oh are we sure Paul's not better than or if Paul is even better than Matthew Joseph they're two different players I feel like Joseph doesn't play that heavy game that Paul does in terms of winning puck battles. And I think 
that they really like how he kind of frees up the puck for Colton and point. It was something that they didn't have in their lineup that they needed to add in there, Mm -hmm. right? So since joining Tampa Bay, 14 points in 19 games. With Ottawa, he only had 18 and 59. So, yeah, that's an interesting one. And then they added Brandon Hagel for a King's Ransom, I'll call it. He's playing on the third line with Kalorn, Sorelli, and Hagel. Hagel is playing with Hagel. Nice job, you stupid mutt. Uh, and then the first line being Palat, Stamkos, Kucherov, which, yeah. And then the fourth line, Maroon, Belmar, Corey Perry, which if you saw that game Toronto versus Tampa Bay, you were very familiar with that line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For several reasons. Not really hockey-related, I'll call it. But, yeah, thoughts on uh, Tampa Bay's forwards there? So their forward group is definitely still strong. Not as strong as they were last year. I think that's fair to say. They lost yeah, some it's a pretty bit of a step back. I will say this though about like just to interrupt you. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Stamkos last year going into the playoffs was like Not was injured, right? Mm-hmm. He had a couple good rounds. The name like the first round against Florida, he put up some massive points. Second round against Carolina, he put up some massive points. We saw a big dive in the Islander series and the Stanley Cup finals. Yeah, I feel like he's coming in a lot with a lot more energy and a lot healthier in these playoffs. So yeah, I think that's fair. That's where like, yes, they don't have that perfection line that they did last year. They don't have Gord Goudreau Coleman. However, they are playing with a healthier Steven Stamkos. And I don't think that should be looked past. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a good point. And you can see it because Stamkos literally just broke a record where five, I think it was five consecutive games with three plus points. It's the first time that's ever been done in a season. Something along the lines of that where I do maybe four plus points. I don't know what it was, but yeah, they're not, not, I'm not, I don't want to discredit their forwards when I say that, but they're the forward group last year is a little different this year. One thing that was like kind of, kind of interesting to me is that, uh, when not, not last year, but two years ago, when Tampa made that trade for Blake Coleman and Barkley Goudreau, they already knew where they were going to put those guys, right? They knew they were going to play alongside the wing of Yanni Gord and they knew how they wanted to deploy that line, right? And they leaned on that line heavily for their two cup runs. Mm -hmm. So something that's a little interesting is that it seems like uh, maybe that they they found their places now with Nick Paul and uh, Brandon Hagel. They found their place in the lineup, but I don't think they they had as clear of a plan or the execution wasn't as clear for them. Um, And I think they're going into the playoffs a little bit more confused with how, how they want to roll their lines. Because I don't know if okay. they're going to keep those lines the same. I don't think they ever even changed their lines in the playoffs at all last year. Uh, with no, the, the Gord, At least with the, the Gord line. They didn't. Um, but, and, and another thing that this this Tamp, current Tampa Bay roster that the other one lacks is I think their fourth line was... Their, their top six is essentially the same, right? If you don't include the Gord line as their top six. Andre Palat, Kucherov, Point. Uh, well, it's, it's Nick Paul. Nick, That's changed. Oh, okay. But then Palats right. with Stamkos and Kalorn, yeah. right? Uh, what, whatever. Stamkos and Kucherov. Kalorn's on the third line. Okay, so it's so it's a little 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 shuffled up. But and then it's Ross Colton was playing fourth line last year. He's mm. on the second. He's on the line second line now. Yeah. Point. Last year they had Kucherov with point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think Kalorn or something like True. that. True. Anyways, but anyways, I was just just thinking that like Tyler Johnson, Ross Colton, two mm-hmm. very different players than Corey Perry and Pierre. Uh, Edward Belmar, I yeah. butcher his name. I agree. I, I, I understand what you're saying. The mm-hmm. strategy, I feel like you could say, is not as airtight as it was last yes. year. Yes, yes. Anytime so- <laughs> we saw Tampa Bay take a lead, 
it was Gord was out there and he was going to lead all forwards in five on five minutes. This year we've seen in Tampa Bay kind of running through a few of the few of the games and the numbers there at five on five. It wasn't really clear who was that number one shutdown forward or shutdown line. Like, are you going to rely on Sorelli like you did uh, Yanni Gord? Possibly. I think Sorelli's a pretty good two-way forward. Or are you going to give it to your big dogs? You're going to just say, Braden Point, you you go out there and you try to dominate on defense with Ross Colton and Nick Paul, right? So there is some ambiguity. I wonder if starting from game one, we start to see a pattern. So that'll be something that future us will have to deal with. Yeah. That's <laughs> a, yeah. We will keep an eye on that one as well. Yeah. And yeah, no, another thing I want to go over is that Belmar is like kind of like in my eyes, that's like kind of like a more of a shutdown center. And it's yeah, like, but are you fourth line? He is not exactly. It's like, much. I don't know yeah. if that's the kind of guy who you, cause they didn't like, they haven't really seemed to separate that Perry maroon Belmar line this year. They've yeah. played 11% of like, the total minutes that Tampa Bay has played on the ice, that's pretty much... Yeah, and they average nine minutes yeah, a game. That, so that's it's like yeah, pretty much all, all of the games that they <laughs> played together, like they played on the same line, essentially, yeah. right? And Belmar, it seems like they haven't really been experimenting him since the the trades the, the trades that they made because next next is most common linemates are Kachuk, Radish, uh, mm-hmm. Joseph, Barboulet, like those, it seems like maybe they were experimenting with those guys early on in the season to see if there was a fit there. And there was injuries also that, that as well, but maybe they, they didn't find that fit could be the reason why they made that trade. Who knows? But yeah. Um, so yeah, so uh, just like I, like you said, and like you said in very few words, and like I said, in way too many words is their, their idea for how they're going to deploy them. is going to be very, very different this year and a lot less clear cut and a little bit more Mm -hmm. ambiguous uh, in, than in previous years. So well put, yeah. yeah so um, well put. Uh, in terms of you mentioned earlier, Stamkos, the streak that he's on right mm-hmm. now, twenty-one points and seven goals in the last seven games. From April fourteenth on, he went two points, two points, three points, three points, three points, four points, four points. Next game, five points, five points. <laughs> Shooting at twenty-six point nine percent. Holy smokes! All right, well. Average time on ice, 16.48. That's so frustrating, especially as a team that's going to ha- have to play them in the first round. Come no, Talk about coming into the playoffs. The monster's going to catch up to them. You think so? Ho- hopefully they do in the next seven, w- seven to eight games. PDO but. always catches up to everyone. Yeah. But, yeah, Tampa Bay's forwards, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, strategy, we'll see how that plays out kind of thing. Um, is is it as direct as it is last year? We'll see. Um but obviously some really good scorers on this team. Kucherov, mm-hmm. Stamkos. I mean, yeah. What, what what were their numbers this year? I mean, Stamkos had 101. Hedman yeah. had 82 and 80 as wow. a defensive. Kucherov had – sorry, yeah, Stamkos had 101. Hedman, 82. Kucherov, 66 and 45. Holy Kalorn had 59 points, 25 goals. Not bad. How are you? And then Point had 58 and 65. Yeah, those are – just a, yeah, they're still a good team. They're top six, like I said, still great. Yeah. Still solid, so, yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, let's take a look at the Leafs now. Do you think it's going, like, the lines that we saw last game, like, the third line that we saw last game with Engvall, Kampf, Nylander, that's, that's going to be the line going to playoffs, I guess? So the lines that were, like, it was obviously, Kerfoot was kind of playing placeholder, I would say. 
on the first for line Bunting. there. Yeah, and so, then Robertson was playing placeholder yeah. for Kerfoot almost kind of thing, so right? To me, the lines are spelling out to be Bunting, Matthews, Marner, and then Kerfoot, Tavares, uh, Mikheyev, and then Engvall, Kampf, Nylander, and then fourth line... Jumble. Jumble. I like how we're almost conditioned that when we say lines and we go Tavares, we almost have to say Nylander. <laughs> That's true. I almost say Nylander. <laughs> I, do it all, I do it all the time anyways. But yeah, um, I think that... Yeah, I think that's what the lines are going to be. For how long, I don't know. Um, but I really how think... How long till the blender comes out? I don't know. I, I, hope, I hope not to... I don't know. I, hope I honestly... Doesn't. <laughs> I hope it doesn't at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's... Like thinking about how they match up against Tampa's line, mm-hmm. I think I'm confident in that Nylander line. Even though the the Camp and Nylander uh, Engvall trio hasn't been when Nylander was on with them, they haven't been like totally winning the expected goals battles. Yeah. I think that they're, I think that they'll be able to generate enough against that third line of Tampa, and I don't, I hope to, that they don't give a, up a lot of expected goals. I think it could be a good matchup, but we'll have to see because like the big thing is we have home ice for the first two games. So it's going to be kind of really telling what Sheldon Keefe thinks, especially yeah. about those lines and how they, how he matches them up with that, with the, um, exactly. with the second change. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you got, I think that those lines make, make the most sense. I, I wonder if Andre Cash comes back in time uh, for playoffs. It seems like he I will. He he's w- out of a non-contact Jersey. Okay. So it'll be curious to see. I don't know if he's playing Friday against the Bruins. Mm-hmm. Um, if he doesn't play against the, I don't know. I don't know what what their their plans are. I haven't seen him in any line rushes at all. True. So we'll see. I I do. I am very confident that he will play in the first round, though. Yeah, I, so I, I would hope so. Whether that's going to be a boost to the fourth line, or if that's going to be a boost to the second line, or mm-hmm. whatever, we'll we'll see. So it could be interesting because if it is a boost to the second line, I wonder, if, like, who it, they send down. Yeah, who they send down. Because I also like. It'll be a nice trickle effect. I feel like no matter where he goes. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, because I wonder if they go back to like I don't even know because I'm going back and forth in my head. Sorry, mm-hmm. it's hard to even get the thoughts out. But I, Conf and Cash were really good together early in the year, right? Like though they worked. Yes, they were. They worked so well together. So I, it's almost like you have to like not you don't have to, but like I feel like it could be a missed chance to not put them together. But and then, and then that will like just how send they shock with Nylander. exactly right. And is Engvall the guy who gets demoted, or is it? I think no matter an what, you're going to get some good speed on that fourth for line sure. added. For and sure, it's going to make a big difference. Yeah. And then you got a speedy player, whether it's Engvall, Kerfoot, um, or Kasha on the fourth line. Then you add in your Colin Blackwell as well, mm-hmm. and then you you put whoever right. You yeah, can, you can put Sim and Spezza, Clifford. I, I don't really want it, but anyways, uh, it's going to be one of those guys. So you're going to have two. Pretty high-speed players on that fourth line. Obviously, Tampa Bay's fourth line is very heavy. They're going to try to hit you or stick you in the nuts, um, depending on which player you, you get near. But I think the Leafs having that speed element will be very interesting to see. And, I mean, something that the Leafs have lacked in the last two playoffs, actually in all of them you can say, I don't even, I don't think there's been a depth player to, that wowed us really, but – is depth scoring. So hopefully mm-hmm. if you can get two goals even from your fourth line, two, three goals from your fourth line in a series, like that's a pretty good ad, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. But as Frankie was saying, and I will reiterate it too, cause I'm a big proponent in it. A lot of people are saying, Oh, 
Tampa Bay won because of the, the Gord line, that perfection line there. No. Look at the point totals of Point and Kucherov. Like, if, they won because, if your big guys yeah. don't score, you are out. You are yeah. golfing. Yeah. You're on Weston Golf Course. Or, no, St. George's yeah. again. But those are, yeah, those are the, those are like the. You're, if you're why, overanalyzing it. Why, why can't I, I was, I forgot the name, the, the unsung heroes. Those are the unsung, unsung heroes, heroes that people yes. don't, like they, pe- the media loves to talk about the unsung heroes more yeah. than the guys who are going to get it done every time because we know those guys are going to get it done. We care. Like, yeah, it's also just a simple fact. Like yeah. there's not much content you can like produce from. If your big guys don't score, you're out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Makes sense. I think everyone yeah. would agree on that. It's yeah. just like sometimes we kind of micro focus onto the unsung heroes because there's yeah, because it's the, it's the thing that you can talk the most about and expect the. I mean, yeah. like you can write like five days worth of articles on just like you could go off and just make a hot take and get a lot of attention by saying, I think Kyle Clifford's going to be an unsung hero in yeah. these playoffs. Right. Yeah. Cause that's where people's opinions are going to defer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but anyways, yeah, big guns don't show up. You're out of here kind of thing. Uh, in terms of the Leafs, four words, like, I think Marner, I, I said this in the in, interview, actually, I'm not gonna, even going to have to reiterate, like, I'd really like to see him get a goal in game one, right? Like, nothing else to say. I think that will really mentally set him on a good track. Yeah, I agree. A big game one. I don't even think, I don't even think, yeah, a goal would be good. I don't even think it has to be a goal. I think if he can just get a couple points, a, one or two yeah. points. A point. Just to get the ball rolling and find his space, find his mm-hmm. uh, area of play. But the way he's been shooting, I wouldn't be surprised Ooh. if it's a goal because he is finding open space, getting the puck hey, on that, yo. getting it through. So Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Him and – yeah, that'd be extremely nice. Hopes, uh, we hope Bunting can come back too. By the I way. think he'll, he'll yeah. be – I think he'll be good to go. I think, I think he'll play no matter very, what. I think he, if you you would have to like chop off both of his both of his legs for him not to play in a playoff game for the the blue and white. Hell yeah, he has the passion. Yes, right. Um, yeah. Anyone else in terms of forwards that you're curious, you have your eye on, kind of thing. On yeah, some Andre Kosh. That you wanted? I wonder if uh, Nick Robertson draws in at all at any point. Probably not. Um, I really hope. Like, no offense to Nick. Average says, hey, I really hope he doesn't play a game in the playoffs. Oh, um, harsh. Well, just because, like, <laughs> at least with Wayne Simmons and Kyle Clifford, those guys I don't think produce as much much at all. I think mm-hmm. they're on a pretty equal playing field to what Nick Average says he produces. Probably, they produce probably a little bit more, but they fight. They will give Pat Maroon and uh, Corey Perry a, a run for their money and make sure that they're not allowed to run, the, run around the ice and do yeah. all those things that people say that the other teams are – find so easy to do against the Leafs. They'll, they're almost like a guarantee that, you know what, you can't do that. So, yeah. Yeah, interesting point. Um, one player that's like kind of unsung but has been decent for the Leafs in the playoffs in the past, Alex Kerfoot. I mean, six points in seven games last year. I think two of them were empty netters. So, what was it, five points. I think three primaries in there in seven games. He looked pretty good last year in the playoffs with Nylander and then three points in five games in the playoffs before that. Um, I, th- I think he'll add a nice low punch, mm-hmm. right, uh, in the lineup there. Whether he plays second line or somewhere else, I mean, he's going to be a not primary added scoring attack, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's one guy that I'll have my eye on for sure. But, yeah, uh, 
we're almost here. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It feels surreal, honestly. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know anything. I, I don't even what know. do you do? You have a bold take for the playoffs? Bold take this, for this series. Yeah, Pierre Engvall scores the game winner in Game Seven. <sighs> nice. Yeah, I love it. You like that? I like it. I kind of stole yours and flipped it, flipped it, and reversed it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my bold take. Yeah. Ooh. I'd like to see Vazzy crap the bed in the first. Yeah, that would be nice. Give me that. I'd, I'd love that. Are you kidding me? Yeah, and I saw human Vasilevsky. I'd love that. Not mutant Russian beast animal Vasilevsky. Yeah. That'd be <laughs> that'd be a nice little. <laughs> that'd be a nice treat, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Um, yeah. In terms of goaltending, there's really nothing like. What else can you say about the goaltending? If Jack Campbell doesn't stop the puck, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. <laughs> it's plain and simple. Yeah. And we've seen him go on nice runs before, so let's uh let's hope he can keep playing the way he is. I think he's playing fine right yeah. now. Just keep so. keep his head up and yeah. stick through it because we need him. And then that's... a nice little Vazzy bomb. That'd yeah. be nice too. But that's all I had in terms of going more in depth about the playoffs there. Um obviously special teams, I mean what else can you say? Tampa's got a great power play. Leafs have a great power play. That'll be very, very entertaining there yeah. too, right? And yeah, I wonder over under two and a half shorthanded goals in the series. Uh, two and a half. Yeah, because I I don't know how good Tampa. I'd go under. Tampa is. I just feel like that's, that's very high. Yeah, I feel like I, is that a good line? What do you think? Is, would it be one and a half be better? I. One and a half, but the over would be minus two, money or two and a half. Two and a half is over some, half, yeah. some decent plus money. Because like one plus, each, you're at yeah. two, and then I feel like that deal breaker is the two. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's what I was thinking too, so yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah, That'll be really fun. Um, in terms of systems, it will be interesting to see also, lastly, that I have uh, Sheldon Keefe line matching. Yes. I want to see a lot more of that in these playoffs. That something that we didn't see last year, and I feel like really bit them in the ass. So quick touch on that for me, because I think it's very unclear as to what Tampa Bay wants to do and is going to do with their lines. I think that's going to be a little tough for Sheldon Keefe, but we should see that shake out after the first yeah. game probably. You also have home ice advantage. Exactly, but yeah, so we'll, we'll see it shake out during, if not after the first game into the second game. So, yeah. Yep. Yep, I agree. I agree. Anything else you had on these playoffs? No, just give me more than two weeks of it. That's all Let's I want. Go. Give me more than two weeks of blue and white hockey. We really need. Like, I, I, we I need like, it. The media outlets need it. Yeah. The fans need it for their sanity. Let's go. Yeah. But as you remember that we had the mental coach on Jackson Sloan White. He said, "You can't say I need to win because it needs to be I want to win." Mm-hmm. because keep it a positive spin we want yeah we want to win they don't need to win they want to win i think that's yeah a good way to put it for them but yeah what is this episode yeah. 37 38 now we've been doing this for been a lot of episodes this year so Hell yeah um, thank you all for sticking with us yeah appreciate tuning tuning through feel like we got a, some good growth during the season this year yeah all the new fans thank you give us shout outs like t- talk to us on instagram talk to us on twitter we interact we like yeah just yeah. yeah. So thank you for coming along with this journey. Hopefully we, uh, hopefully it's a longer one. Hopefully, we hopefully got a lot yeah. more left in the tank. Exactly. It's like, like I said, I've texted my friends all week. Like 
it's only the beginning from here. We kind of knew that the season was going to, like we were hoping the season went the way it does. It went as we thought. Now it's now is when it begins, right? Now, now is when go it time. begins. So exactly, go time. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Two very high-powered teams. Let's yeah. go. Uh, anything else you had? No, that's it. Goalie right. skill. Goalie skill. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Goalie skill. <laughs> the Rink Rat Report podcast is brought to you by BetStamp, the ultimate sports betting companion app. Track, follow, and analyze your bets across multiple sports books. And while you're there, check out the world's first verified buy and sell marketplace for sports betting picks. Download the app today. The Rink Rat Report podcast is also brought to you by Season 2 of The Lock Garage. Host Marco Shara, a Toronto criminal defense lawyer, interviews various criminal lawyers about the practice of criminal defense, gets them to share their war stories, and helpful tips for up-and-coming lawyers interested in the area of law. Out now on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Step into the garage, listen to the experts, and get a tune-up.